Welcome to the All Things Performance Podcast, where our goal is to stay hungry, to get better, and to move the meter. My name is Josiah Igano, and whether you're looking to improve physically, to get fed spiritually, or to challenge yourself mentally, we're digging deep to find those gems, and we're going to find them. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. Hope everybody's doing well. Today's conversation is with an old friend, Danielle Devine, formerly Danielle Orsillo of Oroville, California. Danielle is one of the most highly decorated athletes ever to come out of California, where she was one of the top scorers in women's basketball history behind some great names like maybe Cheryl Miller. Maybe you heard of her before. Maybe you haven't. But she has a tremendous track record. Uh, She was also a highly decorated collegiate athlete at Arizona State University, and she enjoyed many accolades, not only academically, but athletically as well. Uh, This conversation is taped locally at the School of Transformation where her and her family run several um, enterprises that impact people from all around the world. One of them was the School of Transformation where we had this conversation and she talked about so many important things like why it's important not to live in the gray, right? She talks about one of her superpowers that actually is detrimental to her when it goes unchecked, the difference between men and women in certain situations. And she also talks about why we should not let five minutes right of our day impact the rest of our week and ultimately our life so man buckle up this conversation was a blessing to me and i hope it's a blessing to you so without further ado we get right into today's conversation we are here with danielle divine danielle how are you i am doing awesome very nice good good to see you here um, you know, want to put you on the hot seat if you don't mind for, a, you know, for a few, but you know, you're, you're no stranger to pressure. Oh, here we you go. Know what I'm here we go. Oh, I know. So, so how are you doing today? Real quick. Doing good? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's been awesome to have you around teaching in Orville for, um, a couple days with some of our students here in Northern California and hanging out with you again after all these years. I mean, I think we met what in 2007. Yeah. 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 Before you met Aaron. Yeah, right before we met Aaron, I met Aaron, and you were a college basketball player at Arizona State University. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Oh, yeah. Glory days. Go Devils, baby. Go Devils. Now I'm a mom of three. <laughs> mom of three. Yep. Just, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Living the dream. <laughs> Putting it down. Much respect to you and, yeah. you know, all the moms out there. I know how that is. It's it's crazy. You know, uh, you guys are super people. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as we get into it, I just wanted to, you know, use this platform just to encourage people out there. And so, Danielle, you've always been somebody who has seen black and white. You have this eye for black and white. You have this eye for for justice. Uh, why does the gray not sit easy with you? Uh, I truthfully believe that I was made this way. Um, I also was born into a unique situation. I have an older brother with Down syndrome. And um, that has really been huge in Mm. my life to have a brother with disabilities, you know, and going to school with him. He was only a year ahead of me in school. And so uh, justice, honestly, that's been something that's huge my whole life and protecting him on the playground and, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But I just, I believe what's true is true. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's an unwavering belief. And so that black and whiteness, it's, it's like, you know, if it's true, it's true. And Mm -hmm. it's just how I live my life, especially when it comes to the 
the gospel and, mm -hmm. um, you know, my faith and stuff like that. And I don't know. I just, I really uh, value it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, when you see, what, what is it, how does it make you feel when things are hairy or it's like, eh, I mean, does it affect you physically? Is it something that you have to speak out on? Is it something that, like, how do you go about dealing with that when you see injustice? Like, see injustice, like where? The on workplace? The on the TV, team? on the, on, you know, on your unit that you're working with, mm -hmm. right? In real life, like, what do you, what does it compel you to do? Are you someone that says, look, like, let me insert myself in this yeah. situation. Do you sit back and just strategize? How does it affect you personally? I definitely can't sit back. I can't uh, just be a bystander when, when something is wrong. I remember in high school, um, actually, I was, I think it was my sophomore or junior year, we had a student teacher in my mm -hmm. history class. And um, the, te the real teacher was sitting in the corner. She wasn't paying attention. And he used a derogatory term for African-Americans. The teacher did? The student teacher. Oh, it's a student teacher. Yeah. Oh, and my teacher great. didn't hear it. And I was like... Who else heard it? The whole class. Oh, He dang. was teaching. So um, he was teaching about the Civil War and stuff. And he used it in a derogatory way, not in an educational way. Well, I don't think there, there's never... There's not a good way to use that word. <laughs> well, you know what no, I don't think so either. Back then, that was a little more acceptable to, to explain history and stuff like that. But I agree. So I thought maybe I was crazy. And then he did it again. Oh my God. And I had a friend in the class, and she was African-American, and I stood up and said, I'm not listening to this. And I walked out, and half the class followed me. And um, when I got married, that teacher showed up to my wedding, and she reminded me of that story. Mm. And that's how I am. I, I can't sit by when injustice is happening. It doesn't matter if it's injust injustice against kids, injustice against a race, injustice against uh, a religious mm -hmm. uh, group. Um, I just, it, it's something that motivates me. And mm. it depends, to answer your question, it just depends on what situation you're in. Like if I'm in a church and there's injustice happening in the leadership, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's something you have to pray about. Like, God, do you want me to take this to them? Mm -hmm. Like, how do, how do you want me to take this to my leader? Mm -hmm. If there's injustice happening with a coworker or a mm -hmm. peer, like, mm -hmm. God, how do you want me to take this to them? Because the mm -hmm. Bible's clear. It says go to them, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to answer your question, Josiah, it's just different for every situation. Yeah. And it's, it depends on your role in the situation. Um, but there should be some action, but the action needs to be defined differently based on where you're at. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I, I like that. You said that it motivates you. And unfortunately, so many, so many people sit back and they just wait for things to happen. So thank God for people like you that, you know, actually are initiators yeah. uh, in change. So we might have to go back and fact check this, but uh, I know I know that you were, you know, at one point you were the number three scorer in California history for women's high school basketball. Something like that. Or number that. two. It was something like number two, like number three. That. Something like that. Behind Cheryl Miller, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So we, like we that. might have to in go California, in yeah. California. That's that's big time, dude. That's big time. So it was cool. So so let me let me, you know, I, I have a question regarding this. Okay. So if <laughs> If you are if you are a top scorer in such magnitude, you're passing the ball sometimes. You know, what I'm saying? Oh, you're okay, passing the ball okay. sometimes. No, this is where I'm going. Okay. You're passing the ball sometimes, but there's a there's a mentality that you have to have to be able to score like that, to be able to to be able to um, uh, you know to be that productive and to to be that good. Yeah. And so my question to you is like, 
Talk to us about intentionality, mm-hmm. both as a player, right? Mm-hmm. Being on the offensive, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively, as a player, and just how you are in life. Yeah, I think uh, I'm a very uh, focused person. I'm mm-hmm. a single focused person, which as a mom is tough because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have three little little ones. But in sports for me, that was a huge benefit because I would focus on one thing and I could stay there mm-hmm. for a long time. And, and I think scoring, it was like on the court, I had one thing in mind. It's put mm-hmm. that ball in the basket, you mm. know. And um, It wasn't to pass the ball? I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm playing, man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you got to tell these people how we first met because, you know, you're a... Uh, uh, dude, yeah. <laughs> you were singular focus. You were singular okay, focus. Okay, yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, in, in, in business, because, you know, I've done a lot of nonprofit business and a lot of events now in my later life and just being that focus, like, what is it that I need to focus on? What's my goal? And never mm-hmm. veering off that. I think a lot of people get bogged down by details. They get bogged down by distractions, by what could be. Mm-hmm. But uh, always keeping that number one focus and goal and never veering off of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing can, nothing can move your, you off of that one thing. Mm-hmm. So like if a lot of people define it like your core values, right? If your core values are three, you have three core values, nothing that someone provides you or, or a plan should ever deter you from your values. And mm-hmm. I think in sports and on, on the court and off the court, that's, that's what drives me. And that's part of that black and whiteness, mm-hmm. right? It's going back to your mm-hmm. first question. It's like, no, this is who we are. And yeah. I don't get to turn emotions. Don't deter me. Um, Feel, feelings, mm. uh, what other people say. And so I just think it's been a, a big benefit in my life. That's good. Because, you know, sometimes people will mistake in that for, ah, uh, you know, she's arrogant or mm-hmm. she's stubborn or she doesn't listen to anybody. But for you, it's like, no, it's focused. Who's saying that? Who's focused? No, I'm just being, <laughs> I'm being, I'm being, I'm being, uh, I'm you know, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, that's, it, that's definitely because you're, you're not deterred. Yes. And it's, uh. It's almost like a stubbornness, but in a healthy way mm-hmm. when it comes to clear focus on your goal and objective. Yes. It's like, no, I hear what you're saying and I know that this is bothering me, but that we cannot, we got to change something, but we can't change mm-hmm. our goals. We can't no, change really our good. values. That's good. You've worked with a lot of people. I mean, I've seen you work with so many different uh, people from so many different walks of life, mm-hmm. a wide spectrum of individuals. And you've, you've, worked, you've done a lot of work with women and yeah. um, anywhere from high-level performers, right? The highest of the high mm-hmm. in terms of the, their levels of performance. And then you've, broke, you've, worked with, you've worked with people, rather, you've worked with people who are broken, who have yeah. struggled with addiction, with loss. Absolutely. Um, and I, I want you to talk specifically about women and what is the biggest lie, right, that they tell themselves? That's a really good question. Um, just to give your listeners a little background, the last 10 years, my husband and I have been in one of the worst um, socioeconomically um, drug-addicted, depressed areas in California per capita. Mm-hmm. It's called. It's a little area in Oroville, California called Southside. Mm-hmm. And um, addiction, uh, especially methamphetamine, heroin, is massive. Mm. And so we've been in the trenches working with uh, people coming out of jail, People coming off drugs, um, people from all walks of life, all the way up to you know the mayors and mm-hmm. the, the government officials and the police. But um, I think what women struggle with the most is 
emotions. Mm -hmm. So emotions are really good, but they can also be really deceiving. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times emotions lie to people. Mm -hmm. So, right? Like, let's say, for example, uh, someone said something mean to you and it was only a couple minutes and maybe they were really mean. And then you just feel horrible. And the rest mm -hmm. of the day, you feel horrible. And I say, how was your day? Oh, it was horrible. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Well, this happened. Well, that was only like five, 10 minutes. Right. But those, those horrible emotions get to dictate your entire day. Mm -hmm. And so I think for women, because we're such emotional beings and we're so, for lack of a better word, hormonal, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we have yeah. a lot of hormones going mm -hmm. on, that sometimes we just allow our feelings to tell us how we're doing, who we like, what people are thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a disservice because... Um, you know, I've met so many women where it's like, they're like, well, this is what so-and-so thinks. It's like, no, that's mm -hmm. what you think they think, or that's what you feel they think, mm -hmm. but you don't actually know what they think because you haven't had a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can get women to really pursue that and, um, and go after that, mm -hmm. then you're going to have such clarity with them, whether that's professionally, whether that's spiritually, whether mm -hmm. that's emotionally, how, in education, whatever, if you can start getting women to really get in tune with good at healthy emotions mm -hmm. emotions that are actually hurting them so um i also see a lot of brokenness in women mm. um it's really difficult because women are very com complicated mm -hmm. complex beings and we know that right they people, are yeah people joke <laughs> people joke about women being very com complicated and complex mm -hmm. and it's true it really is they're mm -hmm. they're operating at an emotional level that i just think a lot of guys don't really get and i mm -hmm. think that's a fair statement yeah um, but the healing that has to happen is a lot tougher. Yeah. You know, because when in addiction, we see a lot of women who have just been horribly victimized. Mm -hmm. And the layers of healing that have to happen for them to be free, it's a lot more intense. Yeah. yeah. But there is hope. I remember there's this one girl who I started discipling um, about five or six years ago, and she lost her daughter to CPS, mm -hmm. and she was adopted out in her addiction. Um, and there's a lot of shame with that. And mm -hmm. she comes into our program and I started discipling her and, um, we just started healing, mm -hmm. right? The things that her parent, maybe her parents had done or family or ex-boyfriends or mm -hmm. whatever. And it was so cool. Cause I really believe that God turns things to good. Mm -hmm. He really does. He makes things good. Mm -hmm. And in her situation, she had this horrible shame, this horrible wound of, you know, losing her daughter. Why couldn't she turn it around for her daughter? Mm -hmm. And it's cool because she started a ministry. I helped, we helped her start a ministry called the Lyric Project. Her daughter's name was Lyric. And oh, okay. she provides overnight backpacks to kids in foster care mm -hmm. the first night. So mm -hmm. she, she provides all the foster cares in our area with these backpacks, these comfort backpacks to these mm -hmm. kids that get taken in. It's just a, such a cool redemption story. Mm -hmm. And she actually recently just uh, is foster caring. Her and her husband are foster caring a, a little girl. Oh, that's awesome. And her parents struggled with it. So it's just like, that's God, yeah. you know? And working through, if we can get these women past the self-hate and the shame mm -hmm. and the anger and the hurt, it's so beautiful what God can do. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you that, that that answers the question, and it, it just brings a lot of clarity to, to, to that whole point, you know, in terms of how uh, men and women are different, how mm -hmm. they, you know, navigate things, especially even hormonally. That's a different that, you, know, you don't want to touch that whole, one, Joseph. That's a whole different <laughs> yeah. podcast waiting to no, happen right there. But no, that's good. Podcast, I, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, you have a, Danielle, you have a unique eye for things, right? For things that people don't normally see. You yeah. know, you have this eye for picking things out, you know, in terms of patterns or in terms of nuance. Mm -hmm. You know, for you, is that like, is that something that, it, 
that's innate? Did mm-hmm. you learn that? <laughs> Did you, is it, is it kind of like, does it go in tandem with your competitive drive? Like you see yeah. things that aren't necessarily there in terms of pattern, in terms of, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being able to pick out things like, yo, man, I, I didn't even notice that, but yeah. dang, good insight. Like, yeah. how would you explain that? Uh, it's like a attention to detail that's in overdrive, I think would be the okay. best way to put it. I do, I notice patterns very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, it's definitely been there a long time and, uh, it can be a gift, but it can also be a horrible curse, right? Yeah. Cause just like any gift you're given, it can be good, great. Mm-hmm. And it can also come with a burden. And I think in my life, I've, uh, it's caused me to be maybe a little more critical of people where mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the work life, like it's been awesome. It's been, you know, able to find the holes maybe where other people didn't be mm-hmm. able to play devil's advocate on ideas and really mm-hmm. that collaborative effort when you're working with people needs to have that. Like yeah. what's the other side that we're looking at? What are we missing? What, mm-hmm. but I, I'm also the type of person that it's like, there's no such thing as impossible. We can make, we can make anything work. Right? Like, it's like, Love let's it. find the possibility. Let's find the thing that nobody else has thought about. Mm-hmm. Let's not try to reinvent the wheel, but let's mm-hmm. take that wheel and let's turn it into something that no one's thought about. Yeah. Or let's use it in a way that nobody's thought about. Yeah. And that stuff just makes me so passionate. In basketball, sometimes it could be frustrating because mm-hmm. you're, as a player on the court and stuff, you see things that maybe the coach isn't seeing. Mm-hmm. And you don't always have a voice or the yeah. ability to see that. <laughs> and you're, like, trying to coach your teammates. I remember changing plays on the floor and stuff because I saw things, yeah. right? Or because uh, for a while I was the person on the inbound, mm-hmm. you know, pass under the basket and I would switch the play up because I'd see things. But it, it, it causes you at the end of the day when you have this gift, which a lot of people have it, sometimes you tend to be more critical on people than you should. Mm-hmm. And being able to learn the awesome value of people's imperfections, mm-hmm. like the humanity in people, is huge for perfectionists. It's huge for, because that's what I would really say I am as a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I can walk into any room and see pretty much everything that's wrong in the room within 20 seconds. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> it's so oh, hard. But man. learning to manage that and, be, and living with it being okay. Like, okay, yeah. that doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter that that picture is a little bit slanted or that yeah. there's a hole in the wall, you know? Does that answer your question? No, that's, no, that's good. It's, yeah. I, I like how you said it's, it's almost on overdrive. Uh-huh. It's one of your traits you know, the the competitive side of you, when you start to look at these patterns and what no one is seeing, no one is capturing mm-hmm. on overdrive. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And once you can master it, like if you can learn to master it and really make it healthy, mm-hmm. sky's kind of the limit on what you can do because it's a gift that's needed everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to improve systems, be able to improve situations, businesses, yeah. nonprofits, whatever, ministry, like yeah. athletics. And so, but I think a lot, what happens a lot of times is perfectionists, as you say, Josiah, because you're really good with this uh, teaching, it's just, it can be really unhealthy. Yeah. And you actually get, you scrutinize so much that you handicap. Yeah. Yep. And that's what happens a lot, is if you can live with a certain amount of margin of error that you see, mm-hmm. You're going to do awesome things, but if you can't, you become completely handicapped. Yeah, yeah. We call them maladaptive concerns, maladaptive yeah. behavior, right? These these habitual bad behaviors yeah. um, that we that we have to struggle with uh, because we choose to live in that space. And it's yeah. like, okay, all right, let's ease up here. So absolutely. So I uh, once again appreciate you coming mm-hmm. and, and um, appreciate your time as we get ready to close. For you, what is the essence of life? Right? What is a full life? 
right? When somebody is like, man, I'm just love. You hear it all the time, right? Yeah. Oh man, she's just living her best life. Yeah, boy. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's living his best yeah. life. Like for you, what is the essence of life for you? Jesus. He epitomizes everything for me. Uh, you know, the Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And it's true. Like, a lot of people talk about, I was telling you this the other day, mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about prosperity and what that is defined as. Mm-hmm. And I think we take a very marginalized, narrow view of it. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's just money in the bank account or a nice house or mm-hmm. having things that people want. But in my opinion, and I see this sometimes, you know, it's still growing, but a prosperous life, a good life is one where there's a incredibly happy marriage mm-hmm. where you're married to your best friend your kids are well adjusted you know healthy mm-hmm. um, god takes care of your needs you know you don't have to rely on yourself to take care of your needs and or you just have people around you mm-hmm. yeah um and they're just with you you know like like we have such an amazing community here in orville such incredible people that would lay their lives down. Almost kind of like, I don't know if your viewers are familiar with the Bible at all, but mm-hmm. in Acts, there was a, a community of believers mm-hmm. that they just cared for each other. They loved each other. They did things for each other. And that's the full life for me, Yeah, is living in the fullness of God's love. That's awesome. And what Jesus did for me. That's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that. And mm-hmm. my last question, you know, I asked your husband on, you know, a prior podcast, uh, you know, you, you guys have an athletic family. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you have an athletic family. You married an athlete. You're an athlete yourself. Uh, who's the most competitive, you or Derek? Oh, Derek, hands down. Really? But he loses the most. <laughs> oh, I should have said that. I'm going to get in trouble. Burn. No, but when we first got together, like, I was the type of athlete, I, I was diverse athlete. And I grew up in many different sports. Derek didn't really. He was just football. And so we <laughs> we would be like bowling and I'd beat him. And he this guy would it would ruin his night. He couldn't yeah. even talk to me. Yeah. Uh it's evened out a little more, you know. I've I've gone through a little more uh some more trauma and stuff than him because like I've had kids yeah. and I've slowed down a little bit. He hasn't really slowed down. So he he's gonna beat me now. But back in the day I could hold my own. Yeah. Uh, and here's the deal, too, is uh, he plays basketball like a football player. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard that. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. He's just, oh, yeah. like, ramming into me, and I'm calling fouls, and he's getting mad, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> so nah. that's, that was nice of you. I see what you did there. You yeah. played the politician there. I did. You said that he is the more competitive, but, yeah, I, I see you playing both sides. There, I mean, so. but I also brought it around, like, I kicked his butt in the beginning of our marriage, and now I only <laughs> mostly kicked his butt, you know? <laughs> He's coming back. He's making a comeback. Oh, man. The Lord awesome. worked in him. Let's just say that. Oh, because... here we go. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Oh, Anyways, I hope he's not listening. No, he's going to be listening. Oh, no, I can't, wait to, I, I can't wait to tell him what you said right now. <laughs> All right. God bless you, sister. Thank you so much. Such an honor. Talk to 